previous episode, I talked about、um, why, I guess, briefly. I decided to go to grad school, and that is mainly due to sort of plain assumption by one of the professors that I had interaction with, and、uh, the fact that she just assumed that I was going for it, and that made me, gave me a weird confidence that,、um, oh, like, people just thought I was gonna go for the research career. I didn't necessarily think that that was an option for me, but. Let's see if that can happen at all. So that was one. And two,、um, I was also being told by the museum people that、um, I need some kind of PhD in order to do the kind of job that they're doing. Again, um, I um, wasn't sure at all at the time I could do the job that they were doing.、Uh, PhD sounded like an insane monumental、uh, work. And If you are in the US system, you go from undergrad to five year PhD program straight most of the time. So, I mean, you could do masters more than that, maybe if anyone's interested. But、um, the nice thing about going to US system is that if you do get into PhD program, your master's portion is going to be、uh, paid for. So, you will get a stipend、um, as a PhD student, so like a little bit of okurio, a monthly、uh, income. and Uh, health insurance and whatnot. So you are more like an employee than a、uh, employee, yeah, employee than a student because you get paid to sort of be a student. Not a lot,、um, perhaps, you know, it's、uh, it really depends on the city that you.、Uh, That, that you'll be going to, that the grad school program is at. It also depends on whether it's a public school or a private school.、Uh, it also sometimes depends on which、uh, department within the school it is at because different departments have different b u d g e t for、uh, PhD students. But、um, it's safe to assume that it's not much more than, let's say, Shoninkyu, plus a bit more, yeah. Um, so, in exchange of getting paid just a little bit、um, for five years, you will be able to do research full time and get the degree, hopefully, at the end、um, of five years. So, that's the deal. But it's a five year commitment. And mind you, you can still drop out, and it's not like you have to pay if you decide to drop out after master's degree.、Um, so, you know, it's, it's low risk in that sense. but Um, most people who start PhD you know, want to do all of that five years and do plan to do that five years, so that's the assumption. Anywho,、um, so you.、Um, so so, so I, I decided, you know, five years, it's a lot, but let's see, it might be worth doing. And it sounds like I have some shot at becoming a researcher full time. And that was the first time ever that it occurred to me that. Perhaps I have some kind of talent to become a full time researcher. Because up until that point, you know, I was an enthusiastic student, but I was not the best of the best student. I was not, you know, like getting awards left and right、um, or getting A's all the time. 
with no effort or little effort. You know, it wasn't like that. I sometimes had to work very, very hard just to get a B. So uh, it's not like it came naturally to me, but it was the first time that somebody saw me doing research and thought this girl could do research full time. So I wanted to give it a shot. I wanted to see. And you know, if I didn't get in, so be it, right? You know, application, it's a lot of work. It also costs you money, but it's ultimately um, not as much of a risk expense compared to possibly not doing the career that you want. At least that's what I thought. I was like, it's worth giving a shot, is what I concluded. So, so I went. Um, first, I needed to sort of research about different grad school programs. And it helped that I had a clear reason why I wanted to go to grad school. I didn't want to just go to grad school because that's what my mom did or dad did or something vague like oh, I didn't really want to do shukatsu and you know the obvious next step was grad school or uh, and it wasn't even academically motivated either I wasn't like oh I'm clearly really good at being a student so natural next step is a grad school like it wasn't like that either you know I had some idea on what I wanted to do with that PhD once I get it and so I could sort of backtrack uh, from there Okay, in order to become hireable at the museum as a scientist, what sort of skills do I want to have? What sorts of, um, you know, resume do I want to have at the end of five years, right? To make myself uh, most marketable for the museum uh, jobs. Um, so in order to do that, I talked more with some museum folks to uh, figure out you know, what specific skills are they looking for? What sort of degrees? What sort of schools? Um, do they care which school I went to? You know, or do they care if it's a master's, not a PhD? Well, two things I found out is that one, it has to be a PhD more or less, especially if you want to get a museum job in America as a scientist uh, these days. Yeah, so no master's as an option for me. And number two, that they don't particularly care what type of chemistry I did in PhD so long as I become an independent researcher. So they cared less about exactly what I was doing. They said that it didn't even have to be related to museums or artworks, uh, but they did expect me to be able to design experiment, conduct experiment, troubleshoot, uh, maintain the lab activities, all of that on my own. So basically that, that is what sort of PhD would prove it uh, as. Like as a degree, it would tell the world saying that Asami is capable of coming up with a hypothesis, designing the experiment around it, conducting the said, uh, said experiment, and troubleshoot, go back and forth, retry, develop more hypotheses, etc. I can do that all my, uh, more or less, you know. Not, not to say that I can do everything by myself, but like I can, I have the skill sets and experience to be able to do that. So that's what I wanted out of PhD. So that was nice to clarify that because then I can really focus on, okay, what 
is it that I want to spend my next five years doing research about? Uh, at that point, I was interested in spectroscopy because I realized that more and more um, museum science activities were becoming spectroscopy based. Um, that helps, that, that, that allows and enables a non-invasive way of analysis, which means that you don't have to damage the sample or you don't even have to take a little piece of artworks in order to conduct your experiment. You can just shine the laser at it and like learn a ton of things about the artwork, whether it's pigment, binding medium, uh, layers, uh, compositions, all these other things. So even with my baby undergrad, you know, spidey sense as a scientist, I figured out, you know what? The trend in a museum science is going towards non-invasive, which means more lasers. I want to work in my PhD using lasers. That's what I thought. That that's 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 my you know 22 year old self thinking. Okay, I'm gonna go look for laser labs, and um, I also found out that the more sort of laser oriented labs I was looking at, uh, and I. I still wanted to do molecular spectroscopy, right? Like I didn't want to do physics as a degree because that's not one, that's not my background, and two, I was less interested in um, sort of particle physics way of inter using lasers uh, or um, like ions or other things. I, I was my primary interest was what chemistry happens when you shine a laser at the molecule. Uh, so that directed me to more into a molecular dynamics field. So not just looking at spectroscopy in a static way in like one particular set point um, or like one particular uh, spot in the time axis, right? I wanted to look at what happens to chemistry over time, over some period of time, whether that be, you know, hundreds of femtoseconds or hundreds of nanoseconds or even longer. Um, and that's when I stumbled upon ultra-fast molecular dynamics and they were shining Many of the communities of this ultra-fast molecular dynamics people were shining typically UV lasers because that's some of the most accessible and the most energetic uh, laser pulse that you can shoot at molecules. So they were shining UV pulse to a molecule that has some sort of absorption cross-section and they were looking at what happens to the molecule after that. And again, my naive 22-year-old pre-scientist self, baby scientist Asami thought, hey, UV to molecules, that's like how we care about artworks. We worry about artworks being damaged by sunlight most of the time. I mean, there are many other ways you can ruin an artwork, but sunlight is one of the most crucial elements when it comes to uh, museum science because you can't really avoid exposing artworks to natural light you know you most artworks are best seen in natural light and if you're thinking about sculptures and stuff they're exposed outside in the elements so i thought hey this might be the closest thing i can do that's still relevant to 
sort of the kind of sciences that I'll be worrying about, that I'll be thinking about in museums. So from then on, it was fairly easy because ultra-fast molecular dynamics is not a big field. Um, I mean, it's big in its impact, I think. It's becoming even more bigger um, in impact. But in terms of the number of people who are involved, um, there were limited number of people who are doing experimental work on it. And that was another key. I did not want to become a simulation-oriented theoretical scientist, which is important work, and I knew that, but I knew that what I wanted to get out of, again, at the end of five years, is some skills to handle laser, like a hands-on skills. So um, I knew that I wanted to join an experimental group. So all of these things basically helped me narrow down to very few short list of grad school programs that had one experimental molecular dynamics, uh, ultra fast molecular dynamics research group, and two that has museums within the within the university or is sort of in the partnership with universities. So that if I wanted to go collaborate with the museum people, I do have an option. And even though that's not what I ended up doing, I'm glad that I thought about this because that definitely helped me narrow down the options. So that's it for how I sort of went on searching my grad school program. Um, in the next episode, I think I'm going to talk about which lab I joined uh, and how I chose. And maybe go a little bit more into uh, what I would do differently if I had another shot at grad school. Stay tuned! That's it for the show today. Thanks for listening and find us at Eigode Science on Twitter. That is E-I-G-O-D-E-S-C-I-E-N-C-E. See you next time.